This episode of Pompey Talk is brought to you in association with Portsmouth.co.uk. To stay in the know about everything happening at Fratton Park, including the latest news, analysis and transfer updates, take out an online Pompey subscription with the Portsmouth News today at portsmouth.co.uk forward slash subscriptions. Our offer starts at less than £1 a week. You'll get unlimited online access to award-winning reporting with fewer ads and free access to our digital edition and mobile app. Hello and welcome to Pompey Talk, the news podcast. I'm Jordan Cross, joined by Head of Sport, Mark McMahon and Chief Sports Writer Neil Allen to bring you bang up to speed with the latest from Fratton Park. On this week's show, we bring you the very latest on fans returning to football and Pompey's position within that push. We go a little retro and nostalgic and talk Admiral, Asics and TY Hearts as we remember the Pompey kits of yesteryear. 442 or not 442 after the formation debate continued at Plymouth. And does Andy Cannon hold the key to Pompey's promotion bid? We're now available on Spotify as well as Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. So give us a listen, like and subscribe to get each edition delivered to your device and keep your finger firmly on the PO4 Pulse at portsmouth.co.uk. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Pompey Talk. Sorry, I'm being distracted in the, in the main intro. John Cross is in the background singing along. Um, thank you for your contributions, Jordy. We'll get back to your singing in a moment. But yes, Jordan is here. Neil Allen is here. The Dream Team have arrived after Teams B, C and D were filling in this past few weeks. So, welcome back, lads. Um, Hello. A lot's been happening this Can't past be- few days. Can't beat a bit of Marvin Gaye, can you, Mark? A bit of Marvin Gaye, definitely not, no. Um, yeah, a lot's been happening this past few days. Where do we start? Let's start with the possible fans return. Neil Allen, you broke that story for us yesterday. Um, Pompey are hopeful Pompey are prepared to have fans back in Fratton Park before Christmas is that right? Yeah let's not forget Pompey had things in place for a pilot scheme didn't they in October uh, ahead of the, the visit of Wigan and they're going to trial uh, a thousand fans at that stage as well wasn't, weren't they so uh, and then of course um, it was scrapped because the uh, the heightening coronavirus figures so uh, but they 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 had they've still got that procedure ready to roll out if need be. Now, when I spoke to Mark Catlin yesterday afternoon after twelve o'clock, um, he'd not been told anything at all by the uh, the government uh, about fans coming back. It was purely what he's read in the media, which is clearly accurate. Um, so, in that effect, he, he knew as much as everybody else. So they're just waiting for the go ahead now. But they're prepared, they're in, extremely confident that they can comfortably uh, accommodate a thousand fans and social distancing as well, which it'll be simple for Pompey, let's, let's not forget. A thousand fans, 250 in each stand effectively, make it very simplistic. You could do that, couldn't you? Even at an old ground like Fratton Park. So that's the idea, Pompey could do it. And then you look at the fixtures in December and they're at home to Swindon on Boxing Day as well, which is quite an attractive thing, isn't it? So we'll see. But 
as it stands, they're waiting for instructions from the government. And again, we've said this all along here, that it's nothing to do with the football clubs. They entirely play to the tune of the government in terms of lockdown, access, accessibility. So again, Pompey are are waiting for the go-ahead and hopefully something can happen in that respect. Jordy, you've been there quite a few games now behind closed doors. <clears throat> the majority of us, though, have had to watch via iPlayer or Sky or what have you like. So we haven't experienced a match day at Fratton Park with nobody there. It, it must still, mm. it must still, even though you're five, six, seven, eight games into experiencing this, it must still be a very weird experience. Yes, it is. Um, it's, it's not football, is it? It's not football as we know it. Um, I think we've seen that and I think it's kind of being reported by the people that are at the game that there's something missing. It has its impact on the games. I don't think that anyone, anyone's uh, this month, this far down the line can, can deny that now. Um, spoken to Kenny Jackett about the impact of, of, of a lack of fans and he feels that the tempo just drops off. Um, whereas at, with fans there, they won't let you drop off. Uh, and you see the, the peaks and troughs in the games, the stop-start nature of it. Um, so it's been... That on on the pitch that I think you can see see the impact. It's clear for the for the viewers. Um, it, it's not the same, is it? I mean, the fact that you have to pipe in manufactured artificial noise, and and it makes a difference because that is something I never thought I would appreciate in a million years. It's against everything I stand for. Manufactured atmospheres and you know kind of rubber hands and clackers and all this nonsense. I hate it, but it makes a difference. So it shows you that you know it contributes to the viewing experience as well. And and just being at the game, it, it, it's weird. I'm thankful. Um, it's a a step towards normality for for us. Lucky as journalists to be be at games because you know through you know speaking to a colleague Andy Moon at BBC, we used to before the lockdown. We didn't we just didn't want, didn't want the season to stop because we could keep going to games and 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 going from at this time in the rump of the season. You go from game to game, preview next game, preview that game, game travel, and and it kind of it, we're in a relatively normal process. In that sense, but there's something it's missing. Uh, but Pompey are very; they've gone to a lot of lengths with it. Um, as Neil said about the, the idea of a test event, I think people need to get the, the idea about the idea of the test event that it's not a profitable uh, process. This is just a, a means to an end. Pompey would have would run the, the test events at a loss. They'd have to fully staff it because it's a, a test in the nature of, of getting more people in. All the, the fans would have to be in all four stands per se because I was speaking to Mark Catlin about this he's like why don't you just do a thousand corporates you know they make, they make more money he's like well that defeats the nature of a test event then you need to have the, the staff going through the, each, each individual stand so um, that's you know it's not going to be clawing anything back but it's obviously a step towards what what we all hope will be um, a degree of normality moving forward and as Jordy says I, I, think, I, I, well, I think it's important to point out I think it's important to point, point out as well that football clubs have dealt with um, uh, have dealt with the situation of staging games behind closed doors exceptionally well. Um, every football ground we've been to this season, that they've handled it immaculately, uh, and uh, and they deserve a lot of credit for that because they've shown that despite even through a second lockdown, a second surge in, in coronavirus deaths and cases, football's been able to keep in this safe environment, and because they've proven they can do that. I'm sure they can comfortably cope with a thousand supporters as well. Mm. So the football clubs have got their heads around it. Um, I mean, we went to Brighton, didn't we? At start oh, that's season, the example, it isn't it? That that is <laughs> twenty-eight days later stuff, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and 
but but they're all incredibly thorough. I mean, I remember me and Will went to, to Burton and they tested our temperature while something in our ear, um, which is the first time I've had that at any club actually this season. And it was a an old deer who'd never used it before in her life and who was reading instructions as she did it. And she was wedging it into our ears. And Neil Well, me manager of the football club, uh, Pompey, he uh, his ear hurt afterwards. Uh, but it's just how the clubs are coping, and they do, they they do really really well. The clubs and fair play to them. And my whole point is, they've shown that they can contain uh, a safe environment for players, for media, the stewards, and also for a thousand supporters. They mm. can do it. So it's important that this does happen. Mm. It's a family a family issue. This, but when 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 we're going back to Oxford and when we were starting to cover games again. Um, I'm sure you've had it, and I'm sure other people at covering games of, of players, anyone associated with going to games who have gone through it, had some family concerns. So it's like, well, you know, they're worried about you because you're going to be mixing with people and the, the concept of that, and, and they feel that you may be susceptible to picking up COVID. I had to, you know, allay those fears and say, look, this is the safest place I could possibly be at the moment. This is way safer mm. than... than you going to Marks and Spencers and doing your weekly shop or middle in probably my case, but um, they just they were just it's way safe. It's so professionally done. It's there's a one way system. You don't encounter people. You don't go near people. I mean, in Brighton. When when did we go? Well, at that game, we weren't near anyone. The the the, the interviews were done by Zoom. You're not sat. You're sat miles away from people mm. in the press box. It's so professional, um, and I think that's that that. Um, follows through to every 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 facet of, of of the football club at the moment, and the, the you know the bubble environments you see, the antiseptic environments you see at the training ground, and and and, and so you know I know Jack Watmore was concerned about picking up COVID and when it was around the birth of his child, and quite rightly so, I can see that I've not not long had a child myself. But my personal view is, is that actually football clubs are probably because of the processes in place. Are very very safe, if not the safest places to be at the moment. I don't I don't think it's the actual yeah, just, environment just, well, themselves. Just, just, Nate, just, hold on, Nate, hold on. I don't think it's the actual environment themselves and inside the grounds. I think the government's main concern has been the transport, the getting fans to grounds. But obviously, yeah. I think, Neil, you said mm. in your piece yesterday that Pompey have a capacity of four to five thousand if they wanted to under COVID restrictions. They feel confident they could do that there, but surely that it is. It's getting fans. And no Pompey is different from Arsenal or Liverpool or Man United when there's a big massive groundswell of fans embarking on their grounds. Whereas Pompey, you still need to stage manage that in a way, don't you? Hence why they can't then bring in four or five thousand people. Yeah, I think Mark Catlin said before that the newer grounds will cope with this more comfortably because of access points and uh, you know anyone that bids with Fratton Park we know there are issues with access points but but newer football grounds can do that but yeah, you're, you're right it's, the government don't want too many fans flooding to games but um, you've also got to rely on people being sensible as well um, again when we go to this match we have our temperature tested we have to wash our hands when we go in uh, we have to wear face masks uh, the entire time apart from sitting in the press box that's down to us. So we speak to anyone outside the press box. So, so if we speak to the manager, we are wearing masks. So we all have to wear face masks. So presumably that would have to be the case as well with supporters who turn up. So, you know, I know some people are against wearing face masks. You won't go to Fratton Park, I'm afraid, because that will be some of the stipulations they will bring in. So, uh, but yeah, the, 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 they've got a car park, obviously, at Pompey. Perhaps that will be open to the public to avoid public transport pressure I, I don't know 
But uh, yeah, somewhere like St Mary's would find it easier to accommodate more fans than Fratton Park, definitely. Uh, but Pompey can cope with a thousand. And again, I go back to the example of you've got four stands there, and you can put two hundred and fifty people in each stand comfortably, couldn't you? So, you know, there's ways and means. And, and again, Pompey have uh, Pompey have done this longer than most league one and two clubs because they had a playoff game, didn't they? So, you know, that they've had provisions there. And it's it's, it's interesting that um, in the last few home games, the um, the away team has been getting changed in the chimes bar, whereas previously it was a victory lounge as well. Yeah. Uh, and they've got they've got these showers as well. I think the ladies' toilets have been adapted to have showers now as well for the players. So the clubs are also adapting and evolving as well to find to, to make things more comfortable and better in this situation. And again, it, could, it comes back to football clubs doing a cracking job um, keeping people safe. Uh, and uh, and, and I, I, I trust them to maintain that even if it's a 1,000 supporters there as well. And it's good news for the uh, female viewers of our Facebook lives after a game because often you go to away games, Lincoln being an example, the players <laughs> now have to do their showers in, in weird and wonderful places. So you have all these... Uh, <laughs> Scantily clad footballers <coughs> running around up and down touch lines and past around <laughs> the back of us doing our videos after the game. Um, you could get an eyeful of Ellis Harrison and uh, and yeah. And I think I think um, one of our colleagues had to had to kind of go and speak to Bryn Morris when he was Starkers the other day and uh, um, after after one particular game. They're very 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 brazen these footballers. So yeah, we have to be a little bit careful on that front or not. I'm not sure. Right. So no high five and those occasions then, Jordan. <laughs> you, have, you have to be very careful where you put your hands. Yeah. <laughs> um, just with going back to a point you made, then Jordy. So Pompey will be making a loss, even if they have a thousand fans in. On top of the losses they're already making. But do you get a sense, speaking to Mark Callan, that there's a real thirst, a real determination to get fans back, no matter the costs? I, I, I don't think I'm talking out of turn to think that Mark's slightly perplexed by the whole process and looking at other walks of life. Um, he's, he's debated it on a number of media platforms very eloquently all the, all the way through, hasn't he? Um, so, yeah, the, 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 Pompey are trying everything possible to claw back any small amount of revenue that they can, and this is a, a means to them. I mean, you made the point about 1,000 fans and saying, well, maybe four or 5,000 may be in trouble, but there, maybe there's a medium in there where between one and five or, or, or maybe up to five that they can safely access um, access the gains. I mean, you, know, you have to look at the transport authorities for that. That's going to be an important part of it. But yeah, going back to the point that Pompey will run that at a loss, but they need to kind of claw back. And it's something I've been speaking to Mark, you know, bits of revenue. They were looking at trying to do bits of corporate or um, get the, get the, um, the victory lounge open uh, at one stage just to get some revenue coming in. You've got the, You've got the eye follow. You've got bits of pieces of cut money coming into the coffers now, but it's ultimately it's a small drop in the ocean. We we can't be dressing this up as Pompey are getting back massive amounts of revenue. They're still losing three quarters of their their overall revenue through through football. You know, being in the current state that it is, out of an eleven million pound turnover, circa seven to eight million pound of that comes from match day revenue from from tickets from corporate hospitality from match day sales, you know, kiosks and, and such like. So this is having a seminal impact. Um, and this is really, it goes back to the, you know, the bailouts and, and, and the whole debate about that, about the, the importance of action being taken, isn't it? Yeah. And the sale of Jimmy Ashdown shorts on the, the classic retro part of the <laughs> Saxons website. 
I'm sure that's adding to that there. Um, shortfall as well. Maybe. Yeah, thing I've got thing is I know people take the Mickey out. They remember they sound, and obviously some of it is very irrelevant and very old, such as players who never played for Pompey or whatever like that. But first of all, the club need to find an income stream from somewhere in this in this coronavirus crisis. Have to. And secondly, if you don't like it, don't buy it. Exactly. And for whatever reason, people out there buy this stuff. Yeah. I wouldn't buy it. Don't get, don't but get, people are buying it. Yeah. Don't get. I'm not. I wasn't taking the Mickey there at all. Because believe it or not, <laughs> you, no, absolutely, no, 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 you absolutely were taking the Mickey. Believe it or absolutely not, absolutely were. Well, I'm just gonna say, Neil, <laughs> Neil, Neil has identified something. It? I, I, when I was younger, was a, a big Liverpool fan, and I ended up buying a. You'll never even have heard of this guy, a Bjorn Kavarma shirt. <laughs> I remember. I remember. Yeah, I remember. He's probably Norwegian one of the defender. worst footballers you'll ever see playing in English football. But yet I went and bought his shirt one day, <laughs> simply because it was a, well, a proper Liverpool shirt. But anyway, yeah, I, I think I, I think John Viafara's shirt's been snapped up, but, which was a memorabilia. <laughs> that, that's a lot say on that note. Talking about, all right then. <laughs> if an ex-player's shirt come on the market, Jordy, who would you? I bet you I know it's going to be Yakubu, isn't it? Yakubu? Yeah, he used off. to go on about Yakubu all the time. Oh, he's a, he's a hell of a player. He's a hell of a player, Yakubu. But um, yeah, I, 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 shirts on. I mean, numbers, numbers, and names on shirts was before my time. But it would be, it, of course, it would be Mick Quinn. That would be my one. Yeah. absolutely. Any eight, eight days a week, that would be be the man. That was the one I idolised when I was uh, was uh, yeah a wee nipper with the. Uh, the 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 blue um from in the division one the admiral shirt with the white pinstripes down it uh, in the uh, yeah it had South Coast Fiat on so as soon as I got the blimmin shirt they got a kind of South Coast Fiat sponsor and it changed and I was absolutely <laughs> devastated eight years old in my shirt yeah so that was yeah I was delighted. that was the first replica kit I had I'm no I'm probably probably a lot of people remember that one um, and but we're you, talking you think, about replica think, kits God well, so you think now na- nowadays um they get three different kits a, a year don't you madness isn't it crazy isn't it and sometimes it's the same sponsor as well just a three different kits a year no that was uh, there's yeah, plenty to the sell there isn't there in the memorabilia store yeah yeah but okay there isn't there's a thing for nostalgia isn't there I, I, if I saw the um, red and black half Goodman Asics kit from you know around 93 if I saw that resurface now I'd probably be tempted to snap it up because yeah. we, we hop back to our halcyon days don't we I'm sure there's a lot of people that do mm. that and, I mean, I'm showing yeah, my age now, but I mean, like, in the Oki Oki kits in the in the Premier League, you know, that's that's coming into retro now, isn't it? Which makes me feel pretty old, but yeah. Do Oki still exist? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. They spent too much money on Pompey. Ty <laughs> as well. Ty are still around, aren't they? Ty babies, not as big as the oh, were t- at the time. The, the Beanie Babies, the Beanie Babies are massive still, mm. aren't they? Yeah. Are the news yeah. still but around? Remember that? But, <laughs> huh? the oh, they sponsored the kit once, didn't they? Yeah, no, and, and, and I always remember that when it came out as a sponsors, I actually went to the sort of sponsorship unveiling, and uh, and I always remember that some fans were complaining about having a heart on the front of their shirts. Uh, you know, fans complain about everything, don't they? But they complained about having a heart on front of the shirt, you know, and all sorts, and being sponsored by Ty Beanie Babies or whatever. But it's sort of like an, an iconic shirt now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, the gold one, and the an gold away symbol. one. Yes. Yeah. It's a, it's a, there's a whole yeah. game there, isn't it? I mean, you, you see this. If you're going to say, for example, the gold tie shirt from from two fat, which player would you come up? Which player would you think? Quasi, quasi. quasi. <laughs> now, why would you say quasi? Do you think there's a reason for that? 
don't know. <laughs> just come to the I head. would say that's I would say that's because famously that was the kick warm when we went to Man United in the FA Cup and, and he, he missed, famously yeah. missed that chance in, and the front of the Monday sport was oh Nigel in that in that <laughs> kit. But but there was a little bit of part of his anatomy which was bursting out of a uh, part of his shorts, <laughs> shall we say. It was rather it was all rather prominent. But that didn't stop us passing out across the front of the Monday sport. <laughs> well, the, the shot was rising as well. <laughs> oh, dear. Glory days. <laughs> well, here, um, more contemporary things. Five substitutions the FL has voted upon. Um, we've already got a story from Pompey saying this will benefit their season. Is this? I can, I can see the logic in it, but at the same time too... I hate I hate watching rugby and the starting fifteen by come the end of seventy minutes or eighty minutes whatever it is in rugby, there's a totally new team on the pitch that just takes away some. There's something about it I'm not really liking. But what's your thoughts on it, guys? Is it something you think is yeah, necessary you, at this moment? Uh, in time? Uh, that's a good point. That's a good point, Mark. Because if a team gets reduced to ten men, you always think about how the opposition is going to get tired, aren't they? Uh, playing with ten men. But that won't be as much of an impact now because you can replace some of the tiring players quite comfortably, can't you? And I tell you what's really worrying with five subs, Wickham. I was going to say Wickham. I was going to bring that up. <laughs> Wickham are going to kill it, aren't they? I'm so glad we're not playing them this season. They'll be putting on four subs in stoppage time, won't they? <laughs> it's gonna, and that's, but it, it leads into a relevant point, doesn't it? The fact that. Um, you know how much stoppage time there's going to be and how much time wasting so I don't I mean I've been off for a couple of days so I'm not sort of hot on the story but surely they should be caveating the the, the stoppages perhaps like you know with the amount of, of when they can, those substitutions can be made to re- reduce that maybe you know if you make five subs within three changes with three free stoppages in play yeah like well, that's the season of the role. Premier League that's what they did yeah yeah yeah. yeah. no doubt they'll, they'll, yeah. they'll still have that type of stipulation won't they in the, in the in the remit like so um, but like at the end of the day too Kenny Jacket doesn't necessarily always field three substitutions when he's got three available what's the chances of him going to use five mm. then I was, I was, on, out, I was yeah. on outside looking in on a, on a Twitter conversation I'll let Neil pick up on it about uh, <laughs> on, this, on, the, on this subject yeah. last night <laughs> yeah because Andy Moon made this comment and uh, the club's media manager uh, Neil well corrected him said well actually Kenny's used five subs in the last sorry three subs in the last five games, so uh, but yes, it is. He doesn't normally use that many subs, does he, Kenny? I, I suppose he's changed his thinking in recent times. But I mean, the, it, seriously, we've seen at Pompey, especially. We'll look at Pompey because we know more about them. But but we've seen at Pompey players picking up fatigue injuries, which are basically muscle problems. We've seen it, you know, Watmore, Harrison, Brown, Cannon. We've seen it in the last few weeks. All minor injuries, you know, grade one tears, hamstrings. Um, and the club believe that is through fatigue, wear and tear. Pompey's league campaign started a month later. League campaign, I'm not just talking, not talking about cups. League campaign started a month later than last season. So naturally, they're cramming in more games in. For example, we've all got to go to Blackpool midweek very soon, haven't we? And there's more midweek games. So the issue is that there's there's more games congested into the, into the period. They've got smaller squads, let's not forget, because of this lovely salary cap. So you've got smaller squads, you've got congested games, and 
people are getting fatigue injuries. So it's designed to help them. And you can see that point of view as well. However, for those of us who watched the Premier League last time round when they had five subs, it benefited the, um, the bigger teams with stronger squads, being able to bring quality off the bench. Uh, but I can see the point of view for League One. Kenny Jacket wants it. Uh, the, the club have agreed with him. And I saw the, the Peter Chairman agree with it as well. I don't know the, the voting, uh, how it went, but uh, it's been brought in. And you can understand it as well, in fairness. So, And Pompey believe it will help them because they think they've got a very good squad. So, hmm. um, Talking about substitutions then, there was two very important ones on Monday night, which obviously um, saw Pompey get back into the game against Plymouth, but uh, again, as we all know, ended up drawing two all. But... Um, just want to get your thoughts on the game um, in general. Was it a good point, Jordy? Or were you were slightly disappointed by the nature of, of the way Plymouth got back into it? Uh, no, I, I think if you, you, take the, uh, you take the result in isolation, it, it keeps you know, the run going, ticking over. Um, the, performance, I mean, the performance, you, you take the result on the, ba- on the basis of the performance, wouldn't you? I, I think Plymouth were, were much the better side in the first half, uh, Pompey, <laughs> I should carry up. Pompey changed the changed the way they uh, did things at half time. We'll probably get into that in a second. Um, and then uh, the personnel wise, they 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 benefited from that. And then um, and then probably were holding on, you know, at the end. So um, yeah, good good result. Keep things going over against the side that are unbeaten at home. That's 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 not downplayed at the strength of Plymouth as well. I know. That's going to be a hard place to to go this season. So I think Kenny would would have been happy. I'm not sure if he actually said as much, but I think you take that result on the basis of of what happened. Um, the performance Pompey are, are better than that. Uh, I think that there's more to come from the team, but um, they've shown they're a strong team away from home. They can carry on doing that now. It just means we just have to ditch the uh, the away wins and just go for away on beaten runs when we're looking for our stat story <laughs> moving forward. Ah, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Neil, the formation seemed to be a topic of debate, especially in the first half, um, whether or not that was car- it was related to Pompey's performance. Um, but certainly in the second half, they did pick up with a well, four four two formation. Is that the way forward now? Are, are we are, are we gone past the stage where we expect Kenny Jacket to play four two three one? He's he's clearly been varying it up an awful lot now. But Pompey seemed to play better when they have moved away from four two three one, haven't they? Oh, without doubt. First of all, I think in sympathy with Jacket, he had problems on the left-hand side, didn't he? Because he got Jacobs injured, Curtis away from international duty, Lee Brown injured. If Lee Brown had been as available, you could put Pring there maybe. So he had to play things differently, didn't he? Jig it around a bit with Cannon on the left-hand side of, of left wing. And he's not a left winger, Cannon. Pompey missed him in the middle. Uh, but someone's got to play there. So, um, and then obviously... Half time, he made those two substitutions. Um, it was a more formulaic four four two at that point as well, with basically um, a Harrison and uh, Marcus in attack, and then Williams one side, Harness the other, Cannon back in his role, and it worked brilliantly. It was it was um, it was brave from Jacket, but it, it, he he's he's confident now in that four four two, isn't he? He knows it can get results. He knows it brings the best out of his players. It brings the best out of Andy Cannon for a start. It would never seem to play so well in that role at the moment. In fact, he's an integral part of the team because no one can replace him in that midfield role with his energy. So, so Jacket made made the decisions, and 
Um, Pompey played ever so well second half. We would have taken a point before the game. We would have taken a point at half-time. So I think a point was good and it's very heartening that, that second half. But to your original point, 4-4-2 has to be the way forward for this group of players because they're picking up results consistently. Uh, they're looking a better side, looking a more attacking side, more entertaining as well, aren't they? So um, it is the way forward and uh, Jacket must recognise that because in desperation he had to change at half-time and it worked. Yeah, I mean, there's been this whole there was a whole debate about Kenny was saying it was four four two in the first half. I I I thought it was four four two, but I think people get wrapped up in formations a bit. It, I think as Neil quite rightly pointed out, it's it it's the personnel there, isn't it? It you can say that was a four four two in the first half, and it looked like it for me. It looked like two banks of four, but the personnel within that when Ben Close wasn't doing the transitions that we see Andy Cannon do, so it was deeper. Ryan Williams was was coming a bit deeper, and Andy Cannon wasn't comfortable on the left. So it almost looked like a four-two-three-one because of the personnel within it. Now within in the second half, Ellis Harrison is an out-and-out striker. You 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 know you you had Andy Cannon in the middle linking up defence and, and and attack. So it felt like a more balanced four-four-two. So I think the personnel within it is is the is the is the the prominent factor rather than people getting wrapped up and having a go at Jacket about formations there because it, it, that that's the thing that made the difference from where Pompey got back in the game. Rather, you know, than than focusing on the on the formations, it was the personnel for me. Tell us this, Andy Cannon. I think it's it's a fascinating subject because he he hasn't had a chance to prove fans what he can do. It's taken him what nearly two years, but in the, like Ipswich, it was his bit of skill that set up Tom Naylor for Pompey's second goal. I think it was against just a couple of lovely touches in the box. Sold the it was so good. You changed. It's so good. You changed my mark out of ten of the comment, didn't you? I did indeed. You're right. You're did right. he? Um, and then on, on Monday night too, it was his ball into the box again for Naylor to score. To me, he's such an integral part of this team at the minute. But why has it taken so long for Jagger to realise that Andy Cannon could be the catalyst of a of a really decent team that could go another level at this division? Well, first of all, well, well, I say first of all, he impressed Pompey playing left back <laughs> against Pompey. That's first of all, uh, but. Pompey signed him, obviously, but it's a case of where do you put him? We've had many discussions about this. Where do you put Andy Cannon? And we like him as a player. When he's fit, the fans liked him as a player. You know, They love his energy, his enthusiasm, his drive. He's one of the best dribblers with the ball in the squad and bringing the ball forward. Uh, we all recognise that. But in the 4-2-3-1, where do you put him? He's not a 10. He's not a holding midfielder. Suddenly, Jacket's playing a 4-4-2 with two conventional Centre, central midfielders so he can do that he can run forward he doesn't have to worry about defending all the time or shielding the back four he's, he can do what he's good at Naylor can still sit not a problem but Cannon can get forward and no midfield in the squad can do that Ben Close is a different player Bryn Morris is a different player and it's no coincidence that Cannon's been started playing that role it's bringing the best out of him and the best out of Pompey and, mm. uh, and sure enough half time you put him back there and he's driving Pompey forward again. It's, yeah. I say he's he's he's, he's coming good, and uh, Jacket's got his trust now as well. Perhaps Jacket didn't quite trust him before about where to put him. Yeah. But we're seeing the best of uh, best of Andy Cannon at the moment. Ironically, I I, I liked Cannon in a four two three one last season. That I think Neil's right there. He's not a natural. He can play as a ten, and he, he is good there. But probably seeing more of him as a, as an eight. But 
I, pref- I certainly preferred him in a four-two-three-one to John Marcus there, and that was that. Oh was, that, dear! <laughs> and that and that was what was so important to him to him last season. So, I think he's, if not the key man, he's very close to being the the, the key man at the moment. With I think Jacobs could ultimately be the key when we get him back and fit. But I think Pompey haven't got a, a wealth of players of his nature, and I think we've seen that by the, the lengths they went to try and get Ben Ben Thompson in. I think they they realise they're short of a of a player like like of a creative driving nature that Andy Cannon's filling that role at the moment. So that's why he's so important, um, and I, I think that could be that could be key mo- moving forward, and certainly in January when Pompey hopefully come to look at uh, shaping up things again. I know Pompey didn't have the greatest of starts to the season. But like, what do you think was the catalyst for Jack at the realise I can't keep on playing players in a formation that I personally prefer? Like, at what point did he say I need to be more flexible in that formation and play players where they are best suited? Well, Burton well, changed it, didn't he? Yeah, Burton he changed it. Uh, that that was the one where he changed it and he put Harness in the more attacking role uh, down the centre, and obviously he got the hat trick. Um, and then Harrison got injured and he had to shuffle it around at, at Gillingham, didn't he? And Marcus came in up front and he's been a revelation in a two up front. So, so basically Wigan, the Wigan, the game before Oxford then was the realisation that, you know what, if Pompey are to progress, we can't play 4 yeah. 3 one But with, with, with managers, when a team's not doing well or struggling or not, and there's pressure on him as well, they just scramble around to f- try and find a winning formation, a formula that can get the team firing again. So he'll change things and, he, and he's come across it. And he's got to stick to it because it brings the best out of this group of players. Yeah. Very, very, just very quickly to add to that, it's um, don't, don't disregard the fact that there's one year left on Kenny Jackett's contract and he has to find a, 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 the, the answer, the solution to save his job, ultimately, because if he doesn't deliver this season, he's gone. So, um, yeah, that, that might give a bit of urgency to find the right formula as well. You just wish I had it maybe come last season, at the end of last season for the Oxford game or something like that there. Why, after three years, have we suddenly realised that we could actually play better, entertain people better, um, playing a different well, formation? We've got, we got 45 seconds left in this podcast. Don't piss me off at the end of it by bringing that back up again. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, to save me from pissing Jordy off, we will wrap things up. Um, again, lads, thank you again for your contributions. Um, Jordy's shirt has been the highlight of my time on this call so thank you for that Jordy no need to go retro for me then um, and yes thank you all for listening and watching via portionof.co.uk thank you all we'll see you all again soon goodbye thank you for listening and don't forget to subscribe to the Portsmouth News website from less than £1 a week for everything you need to know about Pompey.